It's been great hearing your testimonies this, this morning of God's faithfulness. And uh, I think what that does for us is it gives us a proper perspective. As we hear each other share of God's faithfulness, it gives us a true perspective of how God wants to work in our life and how he wants to conform us to the image of Christ. Sometimes it's easy to not be so thankful, but then we just have to listen to these testimonies like this morning, and God kind of centers us back into a place of trust with him. 2017 was definitely an interesting year. We had the first full year of a new uh, administration in Washington, D.C. We had the ongoing battle against ISIS. We have the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Syria and another one emerging in Congo. Fires in California, hurricanes all over the place. But on a more personal note, we also experience loss. We had lost loved ones in our church family here at Bethany. But thankfully, we also celebrated new life, spiritually and physically, new marriage covenants this year in our church family, and of course, our 75th church anniversary this past year. So it's been a good year to look back and celebrate God's faithfulness. In your bulletin all year long, there's been a verse on the front page from Psalm 100. And we're going to take a look at Psalm 100 this year from our key verse and the passage that it comes from. So let's, let's read that together. You can remain seated. If you have a red Bible, it's on page 500. So we're going to look at Psalm 100 this morning. Here we go. Verse 1. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. This psalm is entitled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. And uh, in Hebrew, the word for thanksgiving literally means confession. So in this case, it's confessing God's character in his great works. This psalm gives a number of commands or directives to us in in living our lives. But the reason for these is given in the last verse, in verse 5. So for that reason, I'd like to highlight verse 5 first, then I'll have some thoughts on the, on the first four as well. Verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. The Lord is good. Do you really believe that? As you think about your life, maybe this past year, maybe the last few years, the ups and downs, do you believe that the Lord is good? We've heard some great testimonies of God's faithfulness this morning. That helps. But some of you have perhaps gone through some very difficult times and trials this year. Trials that test the very fabric of your faith in God and your personal convictions. Perhaps health struggles, various personal struggles, financial struggles, workplace or family conflict. There's a whole host of things that can and do happen that sometimes leave us wondering, is God really good? But in the midst of these things, we can believe that God can weave them together for our good, even the hard things in life. 
Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. It's a well-known verse. It's worth considering. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So if you're a follower of Christ, God doesn't cause a few things to work together for good. He causes everything, everything to work together for good. Even the really, really hard things that you experience in the course of a year, perhaps this last year. If you're taking any notes, you can write this down. God's goodness transcends our circumstances and understanding. His goodness permeates everything. We can praise God in the good times and the bad times. You might have noticed this uh, truth about God's goodness in your personal prayer time this year. As you come before Jesus and pour out your heart to Him and praise Him and bring your concerns and ask for His help, sometimes it feels a little bit like you're wrestling with God in prayer, doesn't it? You're trying to discern what God's will is. You, you kind of think you know what you need and what you want. So you go to God in prayer. But it's definitely a tension. Sometimes you, you might feel like you're negotiating with God in prayer. But then you realize you're not really negotiating. You're, you're getting out your emotions to God in prayer. But God's Spirit is nudging you this way and then that way, bringing you into alignment with His will as you pray. So it's a great privilege that we can come boldly into Jesus' presence as believers, and pour out our hearts in prayer. Tim Keller has written a lot on prayer and, and realizes this tension and the struggle of life in prayer. And he says this in his most recent book, God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything He knows. God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that He knows. Chew on that for a little bit. In other words... Sometimes we think we know that what we should be asking for, but as God nudges us, as we kind of wrestle with Him in prayer, He kind of brings us along over time. God has everything in mind that He wants to accomplish, even as we ask for things in prayer. Of course, the evil one, Satan, wants us to doubt God's goodness, which erodes our trust in God, and if our trust kind of erodes away, then we're not going to obey. Because why would you obey someone if you don't trust them? So that's the tension we have there. Maybe this morning you've, you've been doubting God's goodness because you didn't get that perfect job. Or maybe you got the job and then you were let go. And now you're just looking for any job. Or maybe something didn't work out. Maybe college didn't work out. Or maybe your marriage hit a crisis this year. And you doubt God's goodness, at least His goodness towards you personally. And we know we, we have kind of a complex existence with God and our relationship with God. There's God's sovereignty. There's our human free will. Then there's the fact that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then ultimately there's the fact that Jesus conquered death, the death, death, the devil, and sin. So because Jesus wins, we can trust God with all of our being to work out everything for our good, even the hard things in life. In verse 5, it also mentions two key aspects of God's goodness, His unfailing love and His faithfulness. See, God's love towards us is completely unfailing. 
It actually doesn't depend on us or how we feel or what we believe. His love depends on his eternal nature and his attributes. He's faithful to each generation and he's consistent. God is not fickle or moody. He doesn't change from day to day. Wondering, you know, you don't have to wonder what you're going to get when you approach God. God is true to who he is and his revealed purposes and promises. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Because of this, we can worship God with abandon and give our praise and thanksgiving to him. Let's go back to the beginning for a couple of minutes and look, and look at verses 1 to 2. It says this, Shout! With joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. So we're commanded to worship the Lord with gladness and joy. And I think this joy has a certain spontaneity and exuberance to it as well. In this context, it's likely someone returning from battle with a shout of victory, greeting the King. Have you ever been to a sporting event? Or something that you were really passionate about or excited about. Maybe it was that big game or your kids participated in a game or a piano recital or a dance recital or whatever that event was. I think about going to my favorite hockey team game to, to see how my favorite team, the Edmonton Oilers, are going to do. Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's always against a team like the Sharks. And uh, maybe I shouldn't mention any names, but I, I went with some friends last year and Pastor Brian and Michael Clark were just arms up, cheering the whole time at the game. And you feel a little bit left out, but it's, it's an example of, that's kind of how our worship should be, right? You can, you, can, you can go to a game and get so excited and so passionate about something, and then you can come to church and gather for worship and kind of go through the motions, or think that it's really about you and your preferences, when really it's about meeting the living God and being excited to worship Him. How much more should we be able to bring our exuberance and our joy to God when we draw near to Him in worship each week? Think about that verse in the Psalms, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes we actually have to tell ourselves or lead ourselves with our own body and voice. Now, I don't think this is just for outgoing personalities either, is it? It doesn't say in the Scripture, shout with joy to the Lord, all those with outgoing personalities. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. All the earth. If we're going to worship God exuberantly in eternity, why not now as well? We can worship God with joy and abandon. But yeah, sometimes you have to lead your, even yourself. You might raise your hands, and as you do that and you start singing, your soul follows. You tell your soul, praise the Lord. Of course, worship also involves being reverent and silent, but not exclusively, so we can worship with joy. Verse 2 also says, worship or serve the Lord with gladness. Many of you did such a great job with that over the Christmas season, with the Journey to Bethlehem outreach. That was a great example of many of us coming together to serve with great, great joy. When we serve God, we do it with joy and gladness out of thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us. We don't serve or worship God out of fear, obligation, or trying to earn something. We do it as a response to everything that we've already 
received from Jesus. Verse 3 says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Now we know from 1 Timothy that God has richly provided everything for our enjoyment. Did you know that? Everything that you have, everything that you experience is from God for your enjoyment. But that doesn't mean that we make these things that we enjoy God. Sometimes I think we struggle with that. We might make money our God, or sports, or work, or gaming, or even ministry our God. But we're supposed to acknowledge that the Lord alone is God. This also means that you and I are not in charge of our lives. We're not the authority. We're not God. But we submit to God because He is the Lord. He also created us. Now, if somebody created you, it makes good sense that you're accountable to them, right? So those that deny God as Creator also deny that they are accountable to God. As we see this kind of continue in culture, people... um, disbelieving that there's actually a creator. They're falling away from that. They're putting themselves in a place of deception, but in their mind, they're not accountable to anyone. So we affirm God is the creator. We also acknowledge that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. At one point, Israel was not God's people, but then God chose them and called them and delivered them from bondage in Egypt. And likewise, as the church Once we are apart from God and He chose us, He called us, He's redeemed you. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed from the bondage of sin. So we acknowledge that the Lord is God because He is our Savior and He has redeemed us. Thinking about being sheep of God's pasture, it's reminiscent of Psalm 23 and John 10, where Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down His life for sheep. And we can know his voice and follow him to the pasture that he has for us. Let's commit to hearing God's voice this year in 2018. You heard Pastor Brian and others talk about reading the scriptures every day, journaling, making a commitment to that. Part of that is to hear God's voice every day. It's so easy to have all these other voices crowd out God's voice. If you prioritize that, and the R&R journal is a great tool You're sure to hear God's voice every day through His Scriptures and His Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Think about this. Is Is it inauthentic to participate in private or corporate worship if you don't feel like it? Is that inauthentic? Depends how you look at it. What about the countless times in Scripture we're commanded to praise God? Now, if you never, never feel like praising God, perhaps there's some other issues to work through, but sometimes we need to lead ourselves in praising God, and the feelings will follow. Verse 4 also talks about the gates and the courts. In this context, referring to the tabernacle or temple. And if one is entering these gates with praise, it's implied that this person has already spent some time preparing themselves for the worship experience. So as we we look towards this next year, let's be people of praise and thanksgiving who are ready 
for praise because we've developed a lifestyle of spending time in the presence of Jesus. If there's one thing to make a new start on in the new year, it's to spend time with Jesus. To really run full-heartedly into that relationship with Christ and hear His voice in 2018. We're going to conclude by looking again at the final verse. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And His faithfulness continues to each generation. So as we've brought our thanksgiving and our praise to God this morning, it's worth noting that some of us have experienced this faithfulness from generation to generation. Maybe our families have known Christ in personal saving faith for many generations. And that's a great thing. Others of us, maybe we're concerned it's going to end with our generation. Or maybe this is the first generation that there's been faith in Christ. So you're starting a new trajectory of salvation in your family. Or maybe you're just wondering what would it look like to believe in Jesus for the first time and wholeheartedly follow him yourself. Wherever you're at this morning, in terms of your faith in Christ, and experiencing his forgiveness, a life of purpose, and eternity with Christ, I'd love to talk with you about that after the service, if you have a couple of free moments. It's a great time to put your faith in Christ at the beginning of the year. Let's conclude in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your great Love, your unfailing love and kindness towards us. As we enter 2018, Lord, may this be a year of hearing from your voice, of living and worshiping with great joy and exuberance in our walk with you. Lord, thank you that we can trust you through the good times and the bad times. Thank you that you can make everything work together for our good. We trust you wholeheartedly in our lives and as well with our church. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.